Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Here's my shoulder for you to Welcome to Really Good Shares. I'm AJ Delario, and in this podcast, I want to expand the definition of recovery and talk with people I want to learn from with valuable insights and how to persevere and how to learn how to learn. You'll also hear a mix of interviews and storytelling contributions about making it through difficult times, learning how to learn, so to speak. And also, you'll hear some music from soul singer Swamp Dog. This episode is about a lot of things. Therapy, fathers and sons, Bob Dylan, but really it's about what it means to be a good man and how to be a good person and recognizing that it's a process that takes work. So today we're talking with my friend Cord Jefferson who's on his own journey. It's a pretty good interview. You're going to enjoy it, especially if you enjoy vulnerable men, but also men who have no idea what it means to be a man. When I was in rehab, I remember saying once in a group therapy session that I wanted to be a good man. I just didn't know how to do that, or honestly, what that looked like. In my head, a good man doesn't lie, shows up to soccer practices for their kids, pulls over when he sees a car broken down on the side of the road and helps that person change a tire. But I don't know how to change a tire. So let me tell you about Cord. We worked together in 2012, and we've been friends ever since. Cord's also a writer, and he's one of the most thoughtful writers that I know. Yeah, easily the most successful. But in 2020 alone, he worked on, see, The Good Place, Succession. Uh, before that, he did that Master and Nun episode that everybody liked. And actually, in 2020, Cord won an Emmy for Best Writing for an episode of HBO's The Watchmen called This Extraordinary Being. But all the success and accolades don't fix depression, anxiety, or any other diminishing feelings or mental illnesses. But I want to share Corzemi acceptance speech because it was truly a fantastic moment. Let me play this for you. Damon Lindelof, Cor Jefferson Watchman. Uh, 
Damon and my name is on the script, but but we also realized that the TV is written by committee. So uh, we want to thank Crystal Henry. Jeff you Jackson, can hear Court trying to thank everyone. He's reading from his phone. He's trying to squeeze in as many people as possible who worked on the show. Caterer, the gaffer, best boy grip. Thank you to HBO and Warner Brothers. Good. Need to do that. Sent you scripts with Squid Rain and Jeremy Irons farting in space. Thank Charming. you, Stephen Williams, for directing the hell out of this episode and making us look much better than we deserve, probably. Absolutely. Very humble. And Daniel Deadweiler, who all were amazing in the, in the episode. Thank you to my mother. Who Thanks, his family. Year. Thank you to my father, who's my date tonight. I love you very much. Thank you to Babalu for reading all the drafts. Great job, uh, Babalu. Four and five of the script. But here comes. Trey Jefferson. Thank you to my therapist, Ian. I am a different man than I was two years ago. I love you. You have uh, changed my life in many ways. Therapy should be free uh, in this country. And um, lastly, I think... I Did you catch that? And you hear the change in Cord's voice? Like, you can hear him trying to thank everyone. He starts out just reading from his phone. Mom, Dad, love you. But then Ian, his therapist, that's when Cord changes. He loosens up and he throws his arms out and says, I'm a different man because of you. I thought this was done in a fit of panic. I thought he was in some sort of fugue state brought on by the enormity of the moment. But he's more composed at that moment than he is the rest of his speech. I mean, now I see it as, here's a guy who's excited to be in the process of healing. When I heard the speech, it was a good reminder that therapy has been and is a huge part of my recovery. As I've said before, getting sober was a necessary step. But getting rid of drugs and alcohol simply left me with me. All the broken, ugly, crooked, despicable parts of me. I needed help, so I went to therapy and it totally helped, but I became complacent with it. I actually went a few months without seeing my therapist because I convinced myself that I didn't need it much anymore. But seeing Cord's joy in saying, I'm a different man because of you, reminded me that therapy works. It could still work for me, but I have to show up. So I brought Cord on to talk about his own progress, and I finally got the chance to ask him some things I'd been curious about for a while. This is the part that I, I always thought was kind of confusing about you was, you know, I never knew anything what you wanted. When I, when I worked with you, I had no idea what you wanted out of life, out of your career, out of your relationships. Like, I, I it, you know, I could guess. That was by design. That was by design, man. Like, I, I was, you know, nobody did. I was a cipher. I was I was a cipher intentionally, you know. I thought for a long time that if you let people in, then you lost some power. And I'm I very very much value control. And here's something that's important to note: Ian wasn't Cord's first therapist. Cord had started going to therapy years before, but nothing stuck. I mean, he was only willing to reveal parts of himself, and that made it seem like he was doing the work. And for a while, he had other things to talk about in therapy. So March, yeah, maybe January, February of 2014, I guess. Um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I started seeing a therapist really sort of in earnest for the, for the first time ever. And it helped me a lot. Yeah. We talked mostly about 
my mom and how I was feeling about the potential that I could lose a parent, those kinds of things, those conversations were helpful. But I still didn't feel very good. I still felt pretty miserable a lot of the time. So my mom eventually passed in um, January of 2016. So over the course of two years, I saw three different therapists, um, mostly talking about my mom every time. After Kurt's mom passed and TV work was picking up, he moved back to L.A. and he found a new therapist, but something still wasn't sticking. I mean, he could fake vulnerability pretty well, and maybe he knew that, but it was tough to admit. I mean, he was basically stunting his own growth. Started seeing a therapist here, um, talking largely about grief, but also just about my own other emotional issues and, and anger issues and stuff. But again, I wasn't really vibing with this therapist. But all of this is, is build up to this realization that one of the things that I did in therapy was that I would lie to them because I wanted them to like me. I was sort of really invested in my therapists, thinking that I was a nice guy who wasn't dangerous or scary or bad in any way or broken. So Corey's approach wasn't great because uh, what's the point of therapy if you're not going to be honest with your therapist? The the best comparison I had heard was just like it's having a, a gym membership and then kind of just going and never lifting a weight. Exactly, exactly. So that's exactly what I was doing. So why was this intelligent, thoughtful guy halfway asking for help but never accepting it? I mean, why waste money on therapy if he wasn't going to be open to it? But I get it. I mean, I had a therapist in New York for five years. He was a great guy. His name was Jonathan. And after I got sober, I told him about that. And he was very excited. He said that now I was ready for therapy. He said the biggest problem with me being an alcoholic was that he couldn't say I was an alcoholic. That's not his job. But if I didn't admit that, then I was basically wasting time. Lying to him, lying to myself. Working with Jonathan, we started to get into stuff about my relationship with my father. I was blaming him for everything. I remember Jonathan asked me to write a letter to my dad to tell him how I felt, and I never did it. I didn't want my dad to be mad at me. You know, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, and and I, th- I think you'll remember this, like the hacky daddy issues joke about like every woman in like 80s and 90s movies. Yeah. Just being that, that being the punchline for just like so many like women that were just the dismissive line of just like, oh my God, the daddy issues. You know, it took me forever to realize that that is just like pure projection. I know vastly more men with daddy issues than women with daddy issues. And I think that it took me... It's the same. You know, it took me decades to realize that that was largely my problem, was was my relationship with and the lessons that I took from my father and the way that I incorporated them into my life without even realizing it. So surprise, Cord's dad was a huge factor in how Cord interacted with the world. My dad is a Vietnam veteran. He's a black man born in 1942 who um, was born to a, a, a butler and a maid. My dad came from that and 
worked hard and put himself through undergrad doing ROTC. And then when he graduated from college, Vietnam was on and, and he had done ROTC. So he, so he did two tours in Vietnam and um, came back from that, you know, obviously with, with a whole lot of trauma and never sought professional help for that trauma because, you know, Right, because that's not what you did. You, you know, men didn't particularly black men didn't come back and seek out, you know, frou frou therapists in big cities. Like you came back and you sort of like dealt with it the way that all men dealt with it, which was sort of largely just like being stoic and silent. I think that to your point, I've become really good at hiding sort of like the tumult in my head and my heart. I think that that is something that I did because, you know, it was a bad lesson for my dad, but it's one that I took to heart and one that mm -hmm. I sort of got good at, which was that if you're going to be a man, you shut up and you keep a stiff upper lip and you deal with it yeah. and you don't complain about your life and you don't cry to people and you don't go to therapy. So, so I sort of became really good at sort of hiding my emotions and being aloof and pretending that I'm not afraid or pretending that, that my feelings aren't hurt. That, that is something that I was able to perfect in many ways. I wanted to just be this genteel, amiable, friendly guy that sort of like could do no wrong and that, that everybody couldn't say, say a bad thing about. And so I, so I, um, I intentionally obscured a lot of the a lot of the bad things about my life in order right. to make that happen well i hope this podcast changes all that <laughs> yeah hopefully <laughs> hopefully this is just real really destructive for my rep <laughs> record didn't want to show weakness but he wanted to look friendly and amiable he just wasn't willing to actually open up and if he did he wasn't handling things correctly and like I said, this is something I dealt with too. I mean, when I started therapy, I couldn't talk about my dad in any sort of meaningful way because I knew my dad thought therapy was stupid. Now, if I told my therapist about this, he'd be like, well, why don't you just talk to him? And that seemed inconceivable. It would only cause more problems. And of course, this is, this is very frustrating to think about. I, I mean, I had a lot of missed opportunities to become a better person but I didn't know how to effectively communicate what I was feeling. It was easier for me just to say nothing and let everyone else try to figure it out. And there's still no way I can imagine my dad seeing therapy as useful or necessary. He thought it was for people who couldn't handle their own problems and wanted to blame others. And in my case, I was probably gonna blame him and not take responsibility for anything. But therapy isn't a failure, it's not a weakness, it's just help. And it's using the tools at your disposal to try and do better. I can't imagine what misery or depression looks like in you. Right? <laughs> yeah. That was another thing that when I was younger, my mother told me once that she thought that I had depression. I remember when I was in college, she told me that. Sophomore year in college, I kind of had a, I guess panic attack is probably the best word for it. And and I sort of like called home. And my mom, I remember my mom saying, like, I think you maybe have some depression. And I was like, 
I don't have depression. Because what depression always looked like to me was like not being able to get out of bed, sitting in sitting in your pajamas all day, like eating junk food and like right. and unable to like do anything. And that that that's what I always assumed depression was. And so, you know, I was like, I get up every day, I shower, I exercise, I hang out with my friends, like I'm I'm doing things, like I'm not depressed. And so I sort of ignored that for another 15 years or however long. And then when I saw Ian, he was the first ever therapist who told me in our very first session towards the middle, well, we weren't even all the way through it, but he said, like, I think you have depression. I think, I think you suffer from depression. And, you know, I said, yeah, but I get out of bed, I go to work, I'm, I have a job that I keep down. Like all the things that I thought depression looked like were not things that I felt like were, were representative in my life. Right. But then he started starting things like, do, do you have like, you know, indecisiveness, like indecisiveness can be a, a symptom of depression. And I'm an incredibly indecisive person. Like he started pointing out all of these things that were symptoms of depression that I did feel reflected things that I did in my life and that weren't just like lying in bed all day, crying and feeling like hopelessness. He also said, you know, there's people who learn to be the same way that you have high-functioning alcoholics or high-functioning drug addicts, you have high-functioning depressives who sort of suffer from depression, but they can sort of work through it. And he said, and, and so I think that maybe you are a, a functioning um, person with depression. Right. To me, it was like a huge, another huge breakthrough for me was realizing like, oh, maybe I do have depression. A, I realized like, of course, your parents know you better than anybody else in the whole world, right? Like I should have listened to my mom a decade and a half ago. And secondly, it was just a really eye-opening discussion and, and an eye-opening way to look at my own life, to look at like, why do I feel the way that I feel and, and helping me sort of like work through some and negotiate some of these, these issues in my life. Now, one of my favorite parts of this podcast is asking guests what songs they want to have Swamp Dog cover. So I asked Cord about what songs jumped out to him. You know what a song that I've been listening to over and over and over recently that might be good? That I've just like been incredibly drawn to for the past four days even, and I listen to it on repeat, is The Man and Me by Bob Dylan. Perfect. You know that song? Yeah. 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 That's perfect. I will get on the phone and have him do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that his version of it will be beautiful too. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's going to be the best part of this show, hands down. <laughs> <you know? laughs> <So. laughs> And here's Cord Jefferson's really good chair. A friend told me once that you could have dinner with me and then realize after the bill had been paid that I knew everything about your life while you still knew nothing about me. Starting in childhood, I survived by obscuring whole swaths of myself from everyone I met, including my family, my closest friends, my girlfriends. I did it on instinct habitually deflecting, or sometimes realizing after I'd already said something that it was a total lie. I've strived my whole life to project an air of effortless perfection, and I was always secretly worried that if people knew I was flawed, they wouldn't like me anymore. This is such a cliched problem to have that it pains me to even write it down like this for public consumption. As a writer by trade, there are few sins greater to me than unoriginality, and yet here I am, another dude in his late 30s, telling you how it's difficult for men to be vulnerable sometimes. Sorry. I heard the song The Man and Me dozens of times before the year 2020, 
It's one of the tunes that plays in The Big Lebowski. I've seen that movie maybe 30 times in my life, and not once was I moved by the music in it. In fact, I've told people very often since seeing it that I can't stand Bob Dylan. I don't like his mumble, and the stripped-down folk thing never moved me in the way it did everyone else in my freshman dorm. I also don't like the way boomers always try to convince you that he's the greatest American musician who's ever lived. But I guess I can't blame that one on Bob. One day during quarantine, I fell down a big Lebowski rabbit hole on YouTube and ended up hearing The Man and Me again. And this time, something stuck. I promptly found a video for The Man and Me and played it over and over and over again. And then I switched to Spotify, where I played it on repeat in my car, driving fast down Los Feliz Boulevard while singing the La La La's with Bob. This song reappeared at a particularly strange time in my life, in the middle of a global crisis, as I tried to figure out in various therapies, both individual and couples, how to be a better man, a better friend, a better brother, a better partner. Everything seemed equally confusing, uncertain, and frightening, and I spent many hours listening to the man in me while lying in bed in my bathrobe. I didn't listen to the verses too closely, nor the full chorus for that matter. I was mostly engrossed with one line, to get through to the man in me. That line resonated. There's a secret guy in Bob, when he keeps hidden away from the world. As someone who maintains his privacy so fastidiously that his own mother didn't even know he had tattoos until he'd gotten 10 of them, I understood exactly where that line was coming from. My mom died less than a year after she found out about my tattoos, and it's now my greatest regret in life that she passed without ever knowing who I actually was. She knew many parts of me, but she never knew the whole of me because I didn't let her in. And now I can't let her in. To avoid making the same mistake twice, I've now started inviting my dad to join my therapy sessions so he can be present while I puke out all my feelings and bad memories and we can sift through the details together. In the last session, after we'd both cried, he said, I'm sorry it took me almost 40 years to get to this place. My dad hates Bob Dylan too, but I think he probably liked that one song. Test. And as for compensation, there's little he would ask. Take a woman like you to get through to the man in me. Storm clouds are raging all round my door. I think to myself, I might not take it anymore Take a woman like your kind to find The man in me But oh, what a wonderful feeling Just to know that you're near woman like you to get through to the man in me. Having compassion for myself and my dad are intertwined. And he's 80, so he's not even the same guy he was when I was terrified of him.
So I can't blame him anymore. It's on me to figure out how I want to be as a dad, a dad who has three small children. And I'm not trying to become a better person because of them. I genuinely want to be a better person. I want to be a good man. So do you think you're a good person? I think what makes a good person is somebody who tries to be better all the time. And if that is the metric, then yes. I think that I have done and do things to hurt people. I think that I have hurt people who are very, very close to me. I've pushed people who love me away. I've said really unkind things to people and behaved in ways that hurt people who, who are close to me's feelings, you know, many times and, and in ways that I'm, I'm very ashamed of. But I am trying to improve myself so that I do not repeat those mistakes. And I think that that is the metric of somebody who is a good person, yes. I think most people that feel bad about themselves don't give themselves enough credit for trying to be good. There's this one quote that I believe is from the Dopey Podcast. It's, I want to be good so bad. And I think about that quote a lot. Because I think it's true for a lot of people, anyone going through mental stuff, depression, anxiety, insecurity, self-loathing. You're not fixed immediately. But accept your damage and the damage you've done to other people and then work it out with your therapist. You'll be on the right track. Shares is hosted by me, AJ Delario. We're produced by Julian Willer, Jackie Huntington, and Jessica Kreinchich, with production assistance from Lindsay Hoffman. Our theme music is Everything You'll Ever Need by Swamp Dog. This episode, Swamp Dog covered The Man and Me by Bob Dylan. Our executive producers are myself, Julian Willer. And that's it. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikater and Bethany Macaluso. Thanks again to Cord Jefferson for stopping by. If you'd like what you heard here, check out thesmallbow.com. That's B-O-W as in bow and arrow. And that's it. We'll be back next week with Dave from the Dopey Podcast. Win the battle of your musty, damp basement with an easy-breathe ventilation system. Take charge of your indoor air. It's easy with basement ventilation to remove musty odors, pollutants, allergens, and airborne particles by 85%. An easy-breathe ventilation system creates air exchanges for cleaner, fresher, healthy indoor air. And right now, get $250 off your own easy-breathe ventilation system. Call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com today. 
Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Boston Proper is for women who love distinctive style in styles that don't define them. Boston Proper designs are unique and made to fit flawlessly. Confident women wear Boston Proper as an expression of who they are with chic, polished styling and unforgettable looks that get noticed anytime, every day, and on any occasion. When you want that certain something in everything you wear, wear Boston Proper. Shop at bostonproper.com and wear it like no one else.